Welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. I'm Stacy, And I'm David. We grew up together in Beverly Hills in the 1980s. Forget what you've seen in the movies or TV shows. We have the real stories about real people growing up in Beverly Hills. Here's a little known fact for you. There aren't any talking chihuahuas. <laughs> Beverly Hills folk drop a lot of names of people and places. We just can't help it. Don't worry, we'll explain it all at the end of the interview in the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Enjoy, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Stacy, we're back. That we are, David. In this episode, we talk to our old friend, Eden Alpert. Her childhood was really a mixed bag. She enjoyed Beverly Hills, her friends, and a lot of perks money and fame can provide, but there were a lot of struggles. Her father, the very famous and amazing Herb Alpert, was on the road a lot, and her mother was an alcoholic. Not easy at all, and Eden was so special in the way that she can openly and frankly discuss it. It's great to hear about what she's achieved personally and professionally. She's now happily married and has the Vibrato Grill, where you can listen to incredible music and eat food that's just as good. Best of all, Eden and her whole family are extremely passionate about giving back and contributing their time and money to so many great causes. Well, let's hear it all from Eden herself. Let's do it. Eden Alpert, welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited about it. <laughs> really excited. We're thrilled to have you on today. Eden, great to have you on and good to see you. Good to see you too. It's good to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, in these times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're still in COVID, everybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're far away, but oh, so close. Exactly, exactly. So I happen to know that your father went to Fairfax High because my mom's boyfriend, Jack Boss, went to high school with your dad. Yep. A lot of, I think, our parents or aunts and uncles or grandparents, for some of us grandparents, uh, went to school with, with dad at Fairfax. So how did he make his way to Beverly Hills? The year he became famous, so they lived on Westbourne before I was born, over by Kitty Land and where the Beverly Center is now, and uh, behind Tail of the Pup. Their first house was there. And then I think 66 was the year I was born, and he literally blew up, and then they bought a house on Maple Drive across from Diana Ross. Oh, wow. Yeah, 704 North Maple Drive. I didn't know your first neighbor was Diana Ross. Yeah. That was something I was thinking about, is a lot of people think Beverly Hills is full of the children of actors and actresses, but our class especially had a lot of musicians' children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we... We really had um, a lot more celebrities than I think people realized, you know. And for us, I think it was normal. So it wasn't, we were like, whoa, so what? I wonder why all these musicians wanted to live in Beverly Hills. Well, now they're in Malibu. So I, yeah. it was cool then. It's clearly not cool now. Yeah. So you think it was like a hip place to be? Then it, it was to me. Uh, it was, well, I didn't know any better. And I never went outside that bubble. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. where I live now was taboo. So, I know. We'll have to talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm in the valley myself. I love it. But I, I won't admit that. But I just did. I do now. <laughs> but I'm in the hills. I'm at the top. That's how I admit it. I'm at the top. Uh, okay. <laughs> You're in two worlds, halfway in between. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So your father was Herb Alpert. He is an incredible musician and philanthropist and entrepreneur and had sold 72 million records and five number one albums and so many things. What was that like? Like his, as you were saying, his career really took off in 1966, right when you were just a baby. 
And I know that your life changed over the next couple of years, but did you know your dad was famous? And what was that like being a daughter of someone like that? Mm, Pretty fun. Can I say that? (laughs) (laughs) So to a lot of people, it would seem really cool, but you know, Mm -hmm. it was not the norm. And um, back then being famous was a whole different cup of tea because we had no social media, but we sure did have cars driving by and doing the Hollywood tours and, and, you know, it was a very different lifestyle. Lots of nannies. Dad wasn't around. Um, I, I knew every celebrity, but to me it was just, and to this day, they're normal people to me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But my whole life was more of that than, than not, if that makes right. sense. Being yeah. on tour, being at AM Records, meeting the police, going to concerts and limos. And it was overwhelming. And then you don't know who likes you for you. For you, unfortunately. Yeah. Even if you're popular and you think you're all that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, hmm, (laughs) do they like me for me or my big house at the time? And that's kind of a messed up way to think (laughs) when I think about it now. True. And unfortunately, that was a lot of realities. I'm sure that, you know, you're like, do they like me or they like me for who who my parents are or what I can offer or what I can do for them? Right. You know, so that must be a self-esteem, not a builder. You know, you make a choice. And mm-hmm. I think I always had this, I'm like better, not better than, but I loved myself. I thought I did back then enough. Like I didn't think about it. And I think right. as I got older, it affected me in a different way. But because um, when you're young, I don't think people really, other than using us for our charge account at Nate Nows, which right. I didn't have, I had Chasen's, but. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Even better. I know, right? So, you know. <laughs> We we had such a unique lifestyle. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your childhood and what was like growing up in Beverly Hills with your friends and your family? What was life like for you? So it was crazy. I mean, we had cooks, we had nannies. I had a nanny. My brother was six years older than me. We weren't allowed in the kitchen. We had like a couple living there. And at one point in my life, I even had security guards living in the house. My, wow. My dad and mom were divorced when I was three. So he was okay. in Malibu and I was in Beverly Hills. So my life was both there and Beverly right. Hills, very much split up in the beginning and then more in Malibu towards the end. As you got older. Yeah. We're all children of divorce here mm-hmm. and we all got split up in different ways. So how did you kind of split your time? Well, to be perfectly honest, my mom was a raging alcoholic drug addict. <laughs> so, oh, wow. you know, I, at yeah. five, and by the way, I'm not, woe is me because it made me the amazing person stronger than I am now. But at at a very young age, I was throwing her in a shower and calling my dad and saying to come pick me up. So if he wasn't on the road, I was with him in Malibu and my stepmom, Lonnie, which thank Uh God for them, you know, because she was definitely mommy dearest. And I have a story like I'm very in sync with that movie, especially since I don't know if you guys remember, but I'm adopted at birth through Vista Del Mar. So you know, I'm. It was. <laughs> why the fuck did you adopt me? <laughs> like, right, right. Herb's gone. Mom's like crazy. My brother doesn't want to deal with it. And my whole life was in therapy, and not just yeah. therapy, group therapy. Oh wow! Therapy where you went away for the weekend with Dr. Irene Corsorla, who was like the famous therapist back then, who like really messed with people's heads. Mm-hmm. And um, oh yeah, she was interesting and. So, you know, therapy sessions uh, up in Big Bear with groups of people. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it would be the families and the kids. It was almost very esty. 
which yeah. was big yeah. in our day, you know, yes, go, go bash in a room. Some of my friends who went through that, and that's almost as traumatizing yeah. as not going to therapy, some of those kind of group therapy things. Right. It, it was, but it also taught me, because I did Life Spring, I would mm-hmm. always try, I was always, I wasn't that kid who wanted to follow, even though I tried drugs and partied and whatever, I never got addicted to it. It was my, right. my season of experimenting, but um, I never wanted to be like my mom. So exactly. I was desperately seeking to better myself to tell the day I die. That's you know, right. It, like I'm a work in progress forever. I'm never going to be all that. But if you work on it, instead of playing victim, your life can be pretty amazing. It does. They basically adopted you and then got divorced soon after, right? I think my mom wanted a little girl. My brother was six years old at the time. And I have a feeling it was the year he became huge, like huger right. than huge. 66 was like the turning point. And um, uh-huh. I think that he thought maybe or it was going to make her happy. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. wasn't happy. They're two opposites. She's flashy. Oh, she was. She passed away last June. Yeah, so flashy, sorry. over the top, like eccentric. And my dad is so low key and yeah. actually was probably going, starting to go through a little bit of a depression at that point. And he was miserable with my mom. They were high school sweethearts. Right. At Fairfax. So I think, you know, back then you got married because you wanted to get out of the house. You couldn't get yeah. out of the house unless you got yeah. married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was born into this broken household, basically. Oh, that must yeah. have been a lot for you, Eden. And, you know, just a lot of turmoil and a lot of hard times. It's funny because people say to me, well, you, you grew up rich. Uh, yeah, that's not, it's actually not good. <laughs> It's Always. not good. It's, it's not, not good. And I hate to be, I'm not trying to be negative because it wasn't good, but it was, if yeah. that makes sense. Like it. When you're a little kid, rich doesn't mean anything to you. You, no. you right. need other things that have nothing to do with money. You need right. love. Yes. <laughs> you need and that's your parents what I had to, to learn. love you. Yes. And tell you you're beautiful, you're smart, just the way you are. And exactly. a lot of our parents fucked up with that one. Well, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. <laughs> well, mine yeah. did too, so. I think it's that generation. Yeah, I, it might be. Because, um, and a lot of the, the, the parents of our generation, they never found the way to make themselves better. Like they kind of stayed a little messed up or in their funk and never really got better the way that like you are finding a way to improve your life. And I'm mm-hmm. not a victim. I've handled all these things. I love myself and I am bettering myself every day. They forgot that. <laughs> yeah. Thank God we taught our children that. I think somehow I did a really good job with her. And I think all of us in this, our sphere of friends have done really great jobs with their kids. I, a lot of it is from our experience, I think, from growing up in Beverly Hills by yeah. having money and having all these things, but not having the love and attention that we so craved. Right. So I did the opposite. It was too much. It was not too much, but it was like, love, 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 kiss you. Bite your tushy, <laughs> which I eat still do. Yeah, <laughs> I eat I you know. up. Yeah. And parenting's changed a lot in general. I mean, I think, you know, yeah. there's now helicopter parents and that was unheard of back in our day. You know, it was basically, hey, we're free range children, I like to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ran the streets, man. So speaking of the streets, you went to Hawthorne Elementary School. How was your life at Hawthorne? A lot of people don't remember that I was there kindergarten till I think it was third or fourth. And then I came home from school one day and I said, Mom, if so-and-so doesn't have a pool, are they poor? (laughs) So (laughs) what do I know? And so she pulls me out of there and puts me 
at the Center for Early Education, which, oh. by the way, then was like half the time in a park on San Vicente yeah. in West Hollywood. And um, yeah. little did my mom know that everyone I was going to school with was a celebrity, like right. Chastity Bono, Jason Gould, I mean, it, it, Martina Jones. I mean, we were all celebrity kids. Basically. So they were all at the Center for Early Education. It was instead expensive of to right. go there. Hawthorne was free. Right. You know. So she sent you there to kind of get a balance, but you went with richer kids. I did. And even the one and the ones that weren't celebrities were living in mansions in Hancock Park. So it was Right. So I came back to Hawthorne in sixth grade. Oh good. Okay. So you're only gone like two years. Yeah. I walked to school every day. Everyone else had a Schwinn. My mom was like, you're not getting that bike. You're, <laughs> you're getting an ugly bike that doesn't have speed changes. And I would walk to school and um, walk home and get attacked by ravens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> the birds were crazy. Yeah, the ones. birds were crazy. And it was never cold, thank God. We don't live never. in Chicago. Um, nope. And, you know, and I was telling you earlier, the helmsman was there, which was like a candy truck. That you yeah. would stop at on the way home for 25 cents. So literally there's a candy man like in a truck selling candy out of his van? Yeah. And like I said earlier, it could sound a little weird, but it they don't exist anymore. It's usually an ice cream man. Yeah. Yeah. Our ice cream man that I remember sold some candy, but he was an ice cream man. I don't remember a candy man, but we lived in a the different The candy man town. went to Hawthorne. They went above Santa Monica. Some people will remember other ones... Because you were at El Rodeo, right, Stacey? David was El Rodeo. I was BV. Okay. All right. So the below the tracks. <laughs> below the tracks. We, we got did the not below have the tracks the, We got the ice cream man and candy. You got the candy man only. <laughs> Discount ice cream at that. Yeah, really. That's so funny. We had um, thrifties in a truck on the south side. Oh, uh, thrifties in Rexall. Yeah. Thrifties in Rexall. They called me Rexall Berman growing up because I was like. You were all over it. Well, yeah. Did you steal lip gloss from, you know, thrifties? Because I did. I stole it at, Wool at Woolworth. I sold a gold. Oh. I stole a gold disco belt. <laughs> <laughs> One of those stretchy uh, ones. Yeah, those were hot. They, they just kind of clipped in. Heard, they clipped right in. It looked so good. I'm actually wearing leg warmers today, so me, I could go too. right back. Oh, oh leg warmers. Oh no, yeah. I don't have those on. <laughs> oh, yeah. So 80s. All right. So back to your childhood. So you bopped around all over. Uh, all over Beverly Hills as a kid, and you would go to like your friends' houses, and would your friends, as you got a little older, go walk around the streets and, like you said, charge at Rudnick's or go shopping or go eat? Like, what would you guys do? We would uh, charge at Rudnick's. We would go to Jacopo's. We would walk everywhere. We didn't even need to take a bus because everything was so close or or a house guy because we had a house man, right? Uh, okay. which was weird. Um when you think about it now, back then to have a houseman, oh. I don't know. Was it? I, I always thought it, it was women, but it was weird. But and I got to tell you, I had one too, and it caused and a lot of problems. Okay. <laughs> so, so when Stacy talked about that in another podcast, it brought up supercharged memories for me because I, I not only had a houseman that we had many. Yeah. They were fired, mm -hmm. and I had a nanny that was from Germany that was a Nazi, like literally. Oh, God. Um, and my mom oh, wow. never believed me when I told her stuff. And we even had a, a husband-wife team that physically, you could say, abused me, but it didn't get far enough to really be bad. But it was weird. And my our parents back then, for some reason, nothing we said they believed. 
couldn't give a shit. <laughs> like, that didn't happen. What? Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he didn't touch you. You know, oh. and I'm like, uh, okay, maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> well, I think you know? maybe we're going to have to have an episode of all of our help because we have some crazy <laughs> stories from I that. think we need to do a book about the help. But a different, the help, the, help, the Beverly the Hills help. help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a story. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So it was, it was weird. You know, my childhood was so good. I mean, I would walk to everybody's house, Steffi Blumberg, Ryan Cassidy, all of us. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And, and we had a, you know, and I think in eighth grade, I must say, I was the first one, the rumors went around, she smoked pot this summer. Oh. And I was like, yeah, huh? one of the cooks got it for me. <laughs> oh. Your life is like Stacy's. <laughs> oh, and there was cocaine too, by the way, which was kind of disgusting. So all that was around in eighth grade. You guys, I, I tried stuff really, really young, which made me not want to do it. My mom had it in the house and oh. people were supplying it. Yeah. So yeah. And then it was good stuff. I hate to say this. You were actually exposed to alcohol and drugs um, at a much earlier age than us. Yeah. I was very mature, very young. When you have yeah. an alcohol, a parent that's an addict, you grow up fast because you learn to take care of you. Sure. And you learn to be a good manipulator. Sure. You know, and, and so I had all this stuff down, but I wasn't, mm -hmm. thank God, and I will knock on wood lightly, I just don't have that personality to be an addict. Thank God. Yeah. Because a lot good. of us yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm addicted to other things, but. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> So when you went to Malibu, would you have a completely different life? Did you have friends out there? And So Malibu for me was very secluded because my dad had his first house by the sea lion. And then in 69, mm -hmm. he bought seven acres out by Trancas. And okay. I would go out there. None of my friends were out there unless I was able to bring a friend. Right. So mm -hmm. I actually was very close with the family that came with the property of gardeners. Okay. And I had a crush on two of the brothers who still work for us to this day. Like the parents passed and now they work, they're like family to us. That's great. But they oh, had an mm -hmm. Airstream. They would give me French fries because we grew up very, very healthy. The best greasy, oily French fries. So I would go stay like a night with them and go uh -huh. bareback horseback riding. They were a family. So the yeah. minute yeah. I'd go to my dad, he'd be in the recording studio or painting. And I'm like, my dad didn't know how to relate to kids. Right. He's very good with adults. But he's like... I would ride my go-kart around. I, my brother was six years older. So I'm like alone on this property. Like, and we right. had to, as you know, we all had to entertain ourselves a lot. Right. Trinkus, where your dad lived, is way out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's way out there. And there was only the one market, Trinkus market at the time. And no one really had houses way out there. No. But we yeah. had beautiful property and it ended up being a party spot in high school a little bit. Yeah. But I was terrified of doing anything bad. In my dad's name. They just kind of raised sure. me not to mess up like that. Which yeah. is smart. There's yeah. a, a lot to protect. Yeah. Or anybody, not you. Yeah. No, any, no, no, no. You know. But he's so like, I think I got drunk once and hit on a limo driver and it was at one of his concerts and he came back to my mom and said, she's an alcoholic just like you. And I'm like, dad, I'm 16. This is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, uh -huh. So, you know, you're just, in general, we don't want to disappoint our parents. But then when you've got someone who's in the public eye... And has you the fear of God in you that you're no better than anyone else, and which was a good thing to which think. Which is true. Yeah. But that also puts a lot of pressure on you. Yeah. I mean, I never, half my friends got arrested for DUI or something. And I never, mm -hmm. I either got out of it. 
somehow because uh-huh. I knew the whole police department at Beverly Hills and things were a lot lenient, more lenient yeah. back then. But I deserved to be arrested for DUIs many times back then. Well, we actually learned how to drive as a semi-drunk driver back in the day. (laughs) Or a Quaaludes. I don't know. Or Stacy and I stone going around Beverly High. (laughs) Frickin' Eden. We did have a lot of fun together, I got to tell you. All right, we'll get to high school. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So we all three went to Beverly Hills High School together. We graduated the same year. Eden and I were friends. We hung out with a group of... Well, we we were friends, but Eden had a little bit different of a group where we crossed over and we had a lot of good times together. What was Beverly Hills High School like for you, Eden? I remember very little because my social life was way more important. I worked yes. in the attendance office. I got fired twice. Oh, you were twice. an attendance office girl. Because I was excusing people and I got oh, fired yeah. twice. Another weird phenomenon is that you could actually work in the attendance office and then you had a free pass to never go to school. Which I did very little of. I mean, I barely passed high school. Um, I think I begged my mom to send me to boarding school. I needed structure and I Uh didn't have it with my parents and I didn't have it, you know, get C's and you're fine. And I should have had more, someone challenging me more. So I knew, always knew that if I challenged myself... Mm-hmm. Or went somewhere where there was more structure, like when Laura Gordon and I went to uh, Menlo Park for yeah. summer. You know, it was so structured. There were rules, and you, I, it was easy to break them at Beverly, and it was easy to leave. Yeah, and it was easy to go to Hillcrest Country Club and yep. take off for hours. And you know, I had like such a diverse group. I wasn't one small pod. That's exactly. just my nature. Still, yeah, to you this like day. to know everybody a little I'm bit a of everybody. Person. Yeah, you are. I love you people. Are. You do, <laughs> and they love you. I enjoy staying connected. Yeah, for sure. That's great. You for sure, for sure. So you didn't participate in any of the activities at high school or anything like that. I mean, I would go to football games. It wasn't important to me. It was more important to be really stoned and going to Nate Nails. I don't remember liking school. I remember manipulating my teachers a lot because my mom was so wasted and I wouldn't get stuff done. Yeah. And I remember in Uh history, I almost failed history and didn't graduate. And I had to have, I had tutors up the yin yang. Yeah. (laughs) And guess what? The tutors did all the work. I I proved myself by going to CSUN and then going to FITM, which isn't a real, (laughs) but, but I was the most improved student. Like I won awards, you know, I had to prove to myself that Look, I'm a hands-on person. I'm not like you have to go to college. That's why I'm shocked Kylie made the dean's role and went to college and graduated and then was getting her master's. It's like so not my nature. Eden, I fully relate because like your experience is very similar to mine and it shocks me every day that my children graduate to college. First of all, it shocks me they're in college, let alone graduating. (laughs) let alone getting my one daughter got a master's and it freaks me out every day. So good to us, I guess. So what kind of future were you thinking about when you were smoking pot at Nate and Al's? (laughs) I don't think I was thinking about my future. Pot was very different back then. There's no way I can even touch it now. And it's legal. Um, You know, I just was like, I'm going to be, I I don't think I thought about that. And then when I graduated, I was like, fashion, fashion. I need to be something that's very people oriented. And that's where I went. I I honestly never thought future. I I was taught to grow up and marry a rich man by my mom. Yeah. Which was really bad. So I did the exact opposite with my first marriage. So right after high school, did you go directly to FITM? No, I went to Santa Monica College. 
to okay. get my grade point average up. And then I went to FITM and graduated there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I loved it. But then they only had an associate's program, so I moved to Chicago to get my bachelor's. I didn't remember that you moved to Chicago, so I definitely want to hear all about that. I hated L.A. I was like, and both step-parents are, were born and raised in L.A., one on the south side and one in Des Plaines. Mm-hmm. When my mom married my stepdad, who was a producer-director for Captain Kangaroo, Laverne and mm. Shirley, like a big Italian mucky-muck dude from Chicago. But I fell in love with the Midwest going there every winter and summer with my mom, my stepdad. Oh, he would bring you guys back. Okay. Yeah, since I was like, I don't know, they got married when I was 12, but he was in my life on and off since I was three. And I fell in love with that Midwestern, my cousins there, just the normalcy. Although I was a celebrity when I went there. You're from Beverly Hills. And then you're Herb Oppert's daughter once again. You know, it was like, it really was a surreal life. So I would go, anytime I go somewhere out of the state, you know, they're like, you don't look like you belong here. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't. They could pick you out right away. (laughs) Yeah. One of these things is not like the other. Anywhere I go. The nails, you know, the, yeah. the <laughs> like so over the top. The Camp Beverly Hills sweatshirt was a dead giveaway. Yeah. I mean, just everything. So I, you know, I fell in love with Chicago and I was like, I want out of LA. I don't want this lifestyle anymore. And I moved there to go to, I, I can't remember the name. It was in this, in the Sun building where they did the pa- the newspaper there. And it, it was for a bachelor's degree. Well, I moved there and two months later got mono and had oh, to come wow. right back. Like oh, down yeah. for the count. I mean, I wow. was living on Lakeview Drive, right on the lake, on a twenty twenty second floor, driving a BMW, wow. and like making out with every model I could make out with. So. <laughs> the good days. <laughs> How were the Chicago models? Oh, they were hot. They like were. Matt okay. Damon's brother was there. Well, I ended up marrying one of them. That's right. You married a model from Chicago. I married a model once. I married a model twice. Whew. I don't know. Whew. <laughs> The second one's much different. Tell us about your first marriage. So I met him. He was bouncing at a club. I was very naughty. There were crazy clubs in Chicago at that time. Yeah, yeah. That was like Crowbar and all those? or that And was... Excalibur and so many bars. And Stace, you know, and David, you know, bars here closed at two. They yeah. were open till four in the morning there. So it was like all night long. And like it was cold. Like Disneyland. Candy. Like candy of men. And, um, I just remember <laughs> I met my, I went up to my ex-husband and I like stuck my phone number in his pocket and walked away <laughs> <laughs> and we slept together that night. Ah! Love it. And it happens, you know, we just never were apart again. Um, and that's uh-huh. who my daughter's father is. So this is Kylie's dad. Yeah. And he's from Michigan. Midwestern people are very, very down to earth and cool and chill and the men there were beautiful yeah and i i was boy crazy i wasn't looking to get married by the way yeah corn fed men (laughs) yeah and and gentlemen yes bringing flowers to the door and my husband wasn't like that but all the other ones i dated were (laughs) were drugs and alcohol still an issue for you oh yeah i mean we did quaaludes when we were there and not not cocaine. I, I think I had stopped doing that. I think maybe once or twice we had done that. Um, but it was so much bigger here, yeah. like our Palm Springs days. Like if we go back yeah. into our high school days and I, you know, Stacy knows Laura Gordon and I shut down the, the boulevard from Holy me flashing cow. people. I was a flasher. <laughs> I love my titties. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, when you have beautiful titties, you got to yeah, show them off, you know, man. They were perky. <laughs> when that's your main asset, you got to show what you got. It was, I don't know what was wrong with me. I don't know why I would do that. It was like, hey, look. 
You know, you're Why doing not? Like, good. Not? They're just <laughs> boobs. That's right. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I'm all know. over it myself. So Kylie, your daughter, was born in the Midwest? No, she was born here. We moved back here two years ago. Oh, so you were there and then you moved back We were back in Michigan and I saw like the deer on the back of a car and I'm like, I'm You're out. like, I'm done. And they were treating me different. Like Michigan's so small town. You know, this girl, they all wear boat shoes. I hate yeah. boat shoes. I was like, yeah. you're, you're all wearing like Ralph Lauren dated. And it, it just was like, I worked in a steakhouse, like the kind where you actually carried the tray on your shoulder with pantyhose. And they would give me the worst shifts because they're like, everyone always finds out who my dad is. She doesn't need the money, you know, right. and right. it just, I just was Not treated fair. differently. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause you did need the money or you wanted I to did. make I did. I've money. always been, always wanted to make my own money, but I was always on a, yes, there was a trust fund. But it was very, not like all of our friends, David and Stacey, I'm sure you remember, everyone had a, a gas card and oh, yeah. a lot of unlimited funds. Well, remember, I live south. None, none of my friends had that. <laughs> okay. But I, I remember you, Eden, not being someone that had I everything. I didn't have what I wanted. Like, right. I didn't have what everyone else had. Right. I had like mm-hmm. a limit and that was it. Yeah. And literally, till I was in more than you would think grown adult, right. that I was so structured. Which right. kept us very grounded. I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't have a Schwinn bike. My right. mom bought me the ugly bike. I got a Jetta. Every, and this sounds so superficial. I know. Everyone got a convertible rabbit. My dad's like, you're getting a Jetta. Until right. I totaled that car. And then he gave me the, <laughs> which made no sense. Then he gave me the rabbit. Right. Well, that was part of going to our school is like, it really depended on your parents. You know, some people could be super rich and not really indulge their children. And mm-hmm. they could also be people who just wanted to spoil their children. Well, I think there was more of the opposite for me. It felt like that. Like yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of people had unlimited to do whatever they wanted. It took me s- stealing my mom's credit card to do that. So, you know, I had my moments. You know, maybe was that a good idea for your parents to make that choice because of who you are and yeah. as you became an older person, you know, It obviously. was the best thing to do. And I also raised Kylie the same way. Like good. I never yeah. wanted Kylie raised in Beverly Hills. And even though we would travel private planes sometimes, or a lot of her friends had way bigger houses than me. I was like, I am not raising her. She doesn't eat, like, she's not that kid who even knows, like, the hot restaurants to eat at. Unless I, and she doesn't care. She's my, she's my organic girl. You know, she's like, it doesn't mean anything to her. Right. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. It maybe only meant something to us to just keep up with our peers. And which is super hard to do True. when you, you know, it's, you watch these housewife shows and, and none of them are really rich, by the way. There's a handful of them that are. Yeah. It's all fake and they weren't really Beverly Hills people. They don't even live in Beverly Hills. They don't Hills, even live in Beverly Hills. They live in the Valley. And it's such an illusion of what, what we really were. So lesson zero I wanted mm-hmm. to bring up. That yeah, movie that. was on point for me. I felt, cause I was hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. and yep. we were doing crazy drugs and we were doing things that, Small town people might do in a corner, but it's like, we were going to clubs. Mm-hmm. We were going to Odyssey at 13. Yes. <laughs> I didn't go at 13. You really went at 13? I, I did some stuff. You guys, like the Dome, I was going into the Dome very young with my dad because of who he was and going downstairs uh-huh. and seeing stuff. And I looked older. I was taller than everyone. Yeah, you're tall. You know, I was pretty much developed at that point, which looked bigger than everyone, even though I didn't have like big boobs. But there's no chance you look 21. No way. I had the same idea you all got from Oz or yes. whatever the story <laughs> no, was. No, from Oz. Westwood. That's where mine was it from. It was Oz. And and it was, 
you know, plus I also had the, I'm her Bapert's daughter and they would mm-hmm. let me in the door. For sure. Okay. So now in clubs that happens, but it's obviously way different bottle service and all that stuff. But we were going to the whiskey, we were going to the Roxy, we were going to, uh, you know, there are so many clubs that I was going to besides flippers, which wasn't wow. a club. No, that, that was, was a roller skating where, rink. Yeah, that was our fun place. All right, we'll talk about flippers. That was our roller skating rink that we, we all would go to and listen to disco music and on my Sharona, we'd go, da na na my Sharona. And I would jump in the air yeah. was my move. <laughs> Pina Coladas was my favorite song. Pina I would Colada, like go very... If you like pina coladas, <laughs> get caught in the rain. rain. <laughs> so, and <laughs> David's like, "Oh my god, don't do this!" Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> and I had a neo, and we didn't just go in jeans. No. We went in the leotard with oh, the tights and my the gold leggings. disco belt. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a really good story about first. There was a parking attendant there, I don't, or some guy who worked in ballet. I don't know why he was there. He had one of those twisty mustaches with the wax on the end. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I yeah. asked him one day, why do you have that? And he goes, because the ladies like it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm 14 years old. Excuse we me. We don't like it. It's damaged me to this day. I can I'm tell. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that is scary. Oh, my God. It was really bad. But it was really fun. Even in high school, you were around all these celebrities. Is there one experience that really stands out? Oh, well, well, yeah, Sting. I mean, oh, he and the Go Go's. So, oh. and, and even uh, The Breakfast Club was the first AM movie that oh, we ever wow. did, affiliated through AM. So, I, I mean, I was taking people to see the police when they were first becoming huge. And I even had pictures with Sting that people stole. I don't know where they are to this day. So your your father's company, A&M Records, they signed the police early on. Early on. They discovered the police. Um, and you know, the other thing is, is the Carpenters. Karen was like Auntie oh. Karen to me. And so was Paul uh-huh. Williams. Like A&M brought so many people that were not signed to other labels and they became so huge. And he was known for creating this label that no one else, they were independent. So it was only owned by Herb and Jerry. And, you know, that lot was I iconic it still is but they've changed it like i have carp lunch to go into that studio well tell everybody about it and where it was so it's it's on la brea it's still there there's just a big red kermit the i mean green kermit the frog out there now and Uh in 1990 uh it was sold it's the original charlie chaplin studios um his footprints are there i don't know if they've covered him um but it was it was the most iconic record label spot and it's a beautiful spot and you would go there and, you know, I met Michael Jackson there. I met the Carpenters there. I mean, I knew everyone. Janet Jackson was there. It's just endless. The Super Tramp, you know, Brothers wow. Johnson. Like, I, I had like the Strawberry Letter 23 Strawberry album. You know, yeah. I just, I had such a surreal life. And I felt like a princess at times. And then yeah. at times you're completely lost. You know, you're mm-hmm. just like, who the heck am I? You know, right. what is this world? And, and oh. I didn't know anybody that better that's why i moved to chicago because yeah. I, I was like i don't know who i am yeah and i, I don't know what the real world's like and, and and i don't know about you too but i went to camp every summer i was thrown away basically by my mom we- which i'm grateful for because i'm the only one who kayaks skis i went to sierra ski and pack club every christmas so i learned yep. how to ski yep so i was you know literally like 
I'm the only one who's water skis and does adventurous things. Yeah. Did you go to sleepaway camp? Like, were you the only Every one? Every summer that- for two so months. <laughs> that's such an East Coast thing. And a lot of LA kids did not go to sleepaway camps. Well, I think camp gets you out of your comfort zone and puts you in situations that you really experience things and become more independent. And it probably added a lot of structure that you were missing. You must have enjoyed camp. I I was like, I want to stay two months, not one. And don't (laughs) come visit me. (laughs) Don't visit. Don't take me home. (laughs) Don't take me home. So you got divorced and then you really started working in, you started working at A&M Records and, or I know, like, how did your... I worked at California Pizza Kitchen. We moved to Michigan. Then we came back here. I said to my husband, if we're getting married, I can't live out here. And if you want to come back with me, we need to get engaged, which, you know, I was too young. We got married at 25. Oh, young. When I came back here, I literally started working for my dad's fragrance company. He had the Herb Alpert right. and company, fragrance company, which was a fragrance called Listen. And then they licensed Romeo Gigli and Moschino. Well, I started out as a fragrance model. And then I was a rep for them. Okay. So I had all these accounts. And when he shut that down, because it just sucked money out, I think, you know, they just lost millions on this. He hired two big mucky mucks and they just ran it into the ground. But it was a great run. Mm-hmm. Then when mm-hmm. he shut that down, I was like, what am I going to do? And he said, come work for me in publishing. And I was like, I knew nothing about publishing. I only knew the record label. So I worked in every department. And I got to know everything about publishing, and I decided I wanted to work on the music supervising side. Why don't you tell everybody what publishing is all about? Well, it's the royalty side of the music industry, and it and it's complicated. You know, when you get a label, you get a record deal, and then you get a publishing deal. So it's the writing, the people who write the songs, the behind the scenes, but it's also the artists, and you get royalties, and this is where everything's like for a movie example. A, a music supervisor would come to me and they'd like, we want a song like this and we might have it in our catalog. Catalog. My dad owned like the Stax catalog and obviously the, the Carpenters and mm-hmm. then Sticks and mm-hmm. Super Tramp and wow. Peter Frampton and mm-hmm. Cat Stevens. Wow. I loved doing that. I was living in Newport. This was before Kylie was born and mm-hmm. commuting to LA every day. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a long commute. I had a very diverse job discovery mm-hmm. path, I guess yeah. is a good thing to say. You know, we yeah. don't all know what we want. I didn't really know what I wanted. And I loved working for my dad. Well, in 19, uh, in 2000, he sold the publishing company to Sony. And I was like, now what? So I go work for, <laughs> I go work for Tesoro in Beverly Hills okay. for Tara Riceberg. And in that process, my dad was told about this space up in the Beverly Glen Center. And he secretly didn't tell me what was going on, but he's like, I'm kind of building out this restaurant. So I got a job at the florist up in the Beverly Glen Center to get to know that community. Because I don't know about you guys, but I never, everyone else went up there as we were growing up, but I was in Beverly Hills. I never went up to the Glen Center. No, there was no reason to go there. Yeah, but everyone else I know knew about Sancho Pietro's up there. and So I worked there for the two years that he built out and I just got to know that neighborhood. And it's been my, I think we opened in 2004. That's where I need to be in that industry, that kind of hospitality industry and, and marketing and PR. Cause that's what I studied at FITM, not design are my thing. That restaurant is Vibrato Grill. Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell us about that? So we opened in 2004. We're a live jazz supper club located in Bel Air, the top of Beverly Glen in Mulholland. And we've been open, we're in our 16th year. We have live jazz, live music nightly. 
except for right now, let's just X the COVID situation. We're outdoors now. Yeah. We're iconic because we have a, it's not just any musicians. It's built by a musician for musicians by my father. And uh, the acoustician did all the acoustics in there. And it's just, it's a vibe that doesn't exist anywhere. And you just can't recreate it. It is spectacular. I've been in a couple of times. It's quite amazing. He really built this place to give back to the musicians because there's so many local local musicians that don't have a a place to release and be creative and be who they are. And that's what we are. We're that place. Well, there was really no place for jazz or any music. There was like, like that. Catalina Grill, nothing with the food and the good music. So some places will have really good music and horrible food or yeah. vice versa. And I feel, and I'm also very good at, I have an ear for talent. Mm-hmm. So I can spot it. So I brought a lot of musicians in that have become bigger than they were when they started with us, like a Brenna Whitaker who got signed to David Foster. Now, I'm not saying it's oh, my wow. fault. I just know who's good and who's not. I can't. I can barely get my dad to play there, which is really weird to me. It's like he's very strange about it. You should be getting up and playing at your own place more. Yeah, you'd want to see him all the time, so he hardly ever comes and plays. My cousin and I are baffled. I don't know why he's like that. He's old school, you know. He's like, I don't. I don't need to play my own place. (laughs) I'm like, you don't pay him enough. Yeah, right. And and can you fill it? I'm like, Dad, I can fill it three nights in a row in five minutes, and I always do. And it's not me. It's him. Exactly. Who wouldn't want to see him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody goes across the country going to his shows. So why not at home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My God. And then you have a lot of celebrities that play there. We have a lot of celebrities that play there. We have, you know, a lot of people want to play there. It's not about how much money they're making because it's an intimate room. You can't really pack it out more than 160 people at a time. Um, But I've had Shaka Khan play there. And, you know, that was my doing. I kind of, I kind of framed her. Yeah. (laughs) In a funny way. I was like, you know what? If you want me to get this tape to dad and see if he'll play on it, you have to promise me you're going to perform here. And that started a relationship. There you go. And I talk to these people like they're anybody. Yeah. You know, sure. like I would talk to the two of you. Yeah. They're the same as us. I'm like, I don't care who you are. I hope you don't pay Seth MacFarlane to play there. We don't pay him anything, but he is, I'm not going to go too far out of the realm here. He's an interesting one. We charge a lot because he pays that whole 18 piece band. Oh. Oh, Wow. He's usually with an 18-piece, and very rarely we'll do like a five-piece band. So it's just a thrill for him, and he enjoys doing it. He's five minutes from Vibrato, so it's like a spot where he can go. He started to do Delilah's a little bit, Mm -hmm. and that place isn't about listening to the music. Right. It's such a scene there. And we're about, like, I go around the room and shush people sometimes. You know, you'll get a group of people that are really there for the food, because the food's so good. Yeah, and it's complicated. We have notes that say, "Please keep your voices down." It's it's root. It's not old school like it used to be. Where you no, really you can't have a large music. table interrupting the act. You get someone like Dad, and people shut up. Oh yeah, yeah. They're like pretty incredible. You know? yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing spot. There must have been so many magical nights there. Is there one that you really remember? I am a music freak. So like this past year has been really difficult. So live music to me, uh, and I watch the room and I watch how people, I love to see heads moving and I'm I'm baffled when someone doesn't move and it's like the kind of music, like, how are you just sitting there? Like, (laughs) you know, and I, it's a magical spot. So almost every night is magical. I'm trying to think of when my dad plays, I got to tell you it, it, I'm like a a parent who's proud of their child when I watch him. 
Yeah. That room brings out the best in everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah. Seal was incredible. Tony Bennett. What about Seal? Seal wasn't. Come on. Tony Bennett played for a birthday party. And, you know, we had the room to the to ourselves and it was very private. There's Shaka Khan, you know, Mm -hmm. Christopher Cross. I mean, if I told you over the years, the people that have played um, and gotten up on that stage, I I really should make notes about all of them because 16 years in my memory. Yeah. It'd be a good TV show live from Vibrato. Ooh. We've looked into that, but there's a whole licensing issue because a lot of them do covers. Yeah. So um, that's like part of publishing. You can only sing A&M songs. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's I know, not that a bad idea. Good. You know, BMI and ASCAP charge. I don't know if people know this, and a lot of people don't even know what BMI and ASCAP are performing rights societies, and they, they take care of artists, whatever society you're with. We play music, and it's on a CDs. We pay for that annually. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much behind Music that I didn't even know until I was like in my 30s. Oh, I'm sure. There's so much to learn and know. and That'd be the cool special, the music of A&M. At Vibrato. That would be a cool special. The night, a night of A&M, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A night with A&M. Let's do it, Eden. (laughs) Let's do it. Well, we already have Trisha and Jolie Fisher performed there. I know. They're magical. Jolie's the most incredible storyteller. Jolie's great. And I really like her shows. And Trisha and Byron are completely different. I saw them at Vibrato, and they were the freaking cutest. So fun. They're so fun. Let's tell people who they are. Trisha and Julie Fisher are Connie Stevens' daughters. And Eddie Fisher. Yeah. When we were redoing our beach house in Malibu, we moved into their mom's house in, on Delfern for two years. <laughs> so oh, wow. My 12th birthday when Rise, the song Rise, was really cool. Yeah, the big um, song. Was there, and I had like all of Hawthorne there everybody and then peter frampton called me on my birthday because i had a mad crush on him when he had that curly fabulous hair yeah back <laughs> hell yeah you know these are the things that were like not like peter frampton called me on my birthday how cool is that That's very cool. cool you know and yeah i've known jolie and trisha a very very long time and they're fantastic and they lived out in malibu a bit too right? yeah they were in their malibu house and we were in in the homeby house oh so you were you were always at a different place yeah it would have been nice for you if you were both in Malibu at the same I time. I know, I know. That would have been fun. So we also understand that your family, your father and yourself are philanthropists and your father is tremendously involved. And I think we wanted to ask the question, we know that your father was in the USC marching band, but we wonder why did he make such a large donation over to UCLA for the School of Music? You know, I can't speak for him. I just know that he feels a connection that doesn't happen at USC. He was at USC for a very short amount of time, didn't even graduate. So there's no loyalty to that. But UCLA has really honored and built and created an an amazing Herb Alpert School of Music. And it's tremendously grown. And it's a beautiful, incredible legacy. UCLA isn't that far from vibrato. Right. And a lot of the kids come up there. I mean, my whole life has been your father has inspired me my whole life. That's like the proudest thing I can hear. And I love to hear that. And the stories I hear, I love to hear. And and then he did the LA LA USD Mm -hmm. school district. What about New Roads School? Well, New Roads, um, also he built that school with Paul Cummins and um, now that Young lady Amanda, who's been mm-hmm. doing the yeah. poetry. Yeah. She went to school with my daughter. That's amazing. And he's very 
much involved. The Herb Alpert Foundation, we do, we're all involved, all the kids. And it, he's taught me a lot about philanthropy and giving mm-hmm. back. And that's, it's one of my biggest passions over yeah. even working. Yeah. And I sit on four boards. I wanted to hear about that, Eden. I sit on uh, Vista Del Mar, which yep. is where I was adopted through, which a lot of people don't even know that it exists on, on motor for over 110 years. Tell us a little bit about Vista Del Mar. Yeah, I didn't know it existed there, and it has a lot of land. It has a lot of land. It was there before the 10 freeway. Wow. It's a family and child services facility, and they have live-in students that are in the system, and then they've got kids that are no longer at LAUSD that are put through the system that have to go to schools that can help them with their issues, or it might be health and mental issues. It could be family issues, poverty. It's so many things. There's music school there. There, It's really, I love to take people on tours there because I like to get people involved. Back in the day, it was known as the Jewish Adop- Adoption mm. Agency. It's not that anymore. It's pretty incredible to be able to, to sit on the board of a place that not only has my aunt been involved with for over 50 years, Mimi Feldman, but for me, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. It's the most incredible place to be on the board of Eden. I can't imagine how wonderful that feels to give back to an organization like that. I mean, look what it gave you in your life. It just must be incredible. It's awesome. And and I I feel like we can all give money, but when you put your feet in the water and you really dig in and you physically help, the best mm-hmm. way that you can and you get to know an organization. For me, mm-hmm. that's really, really empowering to be able to do that. Um, and so that's my number one, you know, and, uh, and they still do adoption. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know this till last year. They, they were the first adopt, not only the first adoption agency, but they were the first gay adoption as oh, well wow. in the seventies to, to allow same sex same sex marriage couples to have children. That's great. Pretty magical. Like pretty to, magical. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and in the seventies that was like unheard, unheard of. of. So yeah, I didn't know that they were doing it back then. And they do out of country adoption. It's important that people know this. They they'll help yeah. you with any kind of adoption that you need. My whole family's involved. My dad a year two years ago opened the Eden Alpert Therapeutic School of Music. Wow. Nice. Um, so there's that. Mazel. You know, and then I'm on the board of, of Concern Foundation, which my cousin Derek Alpert is the president of, which is cancer research. They've been around forever and ever and ever. And mm-hmm. their whole goal is to not be necessary at some point because it's yeah. all about the research to figure out wh- how do we cure this. And mm-hmm. he's incredible. The other one is Omni Peace, which mm-hmm. we've built seven schools in Rwanda, wow. music wow. schools. And uh, that's very important to me because I usually stay within the states, within our own state. Uh, my dad makes this comment, we need enough, we have enough right here in yeah. California that we need to work on. Uh-huh. But this one's very important to me because it's music and school and education and it changes these children's lives. And, you know, for me, music is everything. It's every kind of therapy you could possibly need. And it, it really saves people. I was reading that the only way to make a child smarter when they're young is to give music in their life. Yeah, I, I think music is a huge healing component in everybody's mm-hmm. life. And and if it's taken away from us in any way, and it's been taken away from the schools, it's tremendously awful. It has mm-hmm. a bad impact. Like we need, we all need that. It makes us smile. In the school, for sure. And that's yeah. so unfortunate. It's one of the first programs to get cut into schools 
you know, and it's such a loss for children, you know, and, mm -hmm. and our future of the children. Yeah. That was something we were so blessed with in our elementary schools and at mm -hmm. Beverly is yeah. they really prioritized that. Yeah. What was that thing we played that looked like a flute? <laughs> The recorder. No, that, the recorder. The recorder. Oh, the recorder. The recorder. <laughs> Before the recorder, we started on the auto harp. Remember that thing yes. where you had to like cross your hands yes, and strum that's it? That's right. Oh my God. That's a good memory. Um, <laughs> and then um, I, my mom recently passed away. So the Sharon Alicia Foundation is something that my brother and I sit on the board. My brother and I and my sister in law sit on the board for. Very nice. Did your mom ever get her life together and really turn around? No, I mean, she got married and they were very happy, but they were crazy addicts together. And then uh, if I even began to tell you the pills that were there when she was 80 pounds and not doing well the last couple of years. I mean, I'm not going to lie here. I wasn't close with my mom. She was literally the movie Mommy Dearest was my oh. life. Wire hangers were a thing. Oh. And, you know, being adopted and just nightmare drunk when you weigh yeah. 90 pounds, you're going to get, you drink a bottle of something and you got pills everywhere i mean they were in my house oh the drugs were everywhere and accessible mm. so you know no she she i th and i think she resented me because i'm really close with my dad it sounds like you built your relationship really with your dad because he was gone a lot when you were a kid i think i i craved family so much i'm like the one person besides my aunt who will do whatever i can to keep family united yeah my dad's such an introvert and they just like their privacy, you know, that I, I can convince him to do things. I think I know how to communicate with my dad. Yeah. I am a communicating guru uh -huh. and I think I'm damn good at it. <laughs> like I'm the person everyone comes to to fix shit and it gets yeah. me in trouble. Stacy, you yeah. know about this. I do know about that. I do. When you text me on those certain days when there's problems with the friends. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like. I have a quick yeah. question. So your dad remarried um, Lanny Hall. And that's in the most incredible, beautiful love story, I think, on, you know, we've heard and seen. Was that, was she a great influence for you? Yeah, she's my, I, if I could feel comfortable calling her mom, I would. Um, it's just sometimes, she, you know, I've known her since I'm, she's been in my life since 66. Yeah. Since and I, and I'm pretty born. much pretty sure he probably cheated on yeah. my mom with her and I don't blame him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and they deny it, but, um, cause they were on the road together. Uh, but Lonnie's an angel. And, you know, you have your moments with step-parents. But, yeah. but was she overall a great influence for you? Yeah. And Lonnie and my dad, as missing as they were, taught me love and did everything they could to make me feel loved and wanted and special and mm -hmm. no different than anyone else. As, as a matter of fact, I feel more special above and beyond because of my dad. Yeah. I'm the only one who's worked for all three of his companies. So... Yeah. So... There's a special relationship. And I think my mom, back then, Stacy, you might know this because you're a female. Yeah. Moms were really, like, I am so, I look at my daughter, I'm like, you're hot. Right. Like, look at your booty. My mom would be like, why are you looking at that guy? Why do you think he's looking at you? Well, oh. you, you know, like, put me down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until she died, we had the most uh, amazing experience the week she passed away. And it was probably the most intimate time we've ever had. Wow. Because I was not going to let her win this. And I wasn't going to let her leave without me feeling like I did everything I could to make this like a solid relationship. And right. she just didn't know any better. Yeah. So I, I, she died with me feeling sorry for her, not being able to experience that mother-daughter. Were you able to make peace with your mom and let her send her on her way? Because my mom passed away also, and I had to make peace with her as well. 
I made peace with her. And you guys, I talked to a, a medium who freaked me out. Tell us. In the middle of the past. Yeah, she's really good. I'll have to give you her number. His name is, her name is Ray. She's $90 for however long you're on the phone. And this woman could not have known the stuff she said. I was like, you are definitely talking to my mom. Wow. So the first reading was with my whole family when we were at her house in La Costa. And um, she was in transition. She was still with us. So she goes, I don't usually do this. And she literally was like, I feel like I have to do this for you for free. Wow. The first thing she said to me is, your mom is tough. Wow. Mm. Wow. Like you could feel her. Wow. And then the second time I spoke to her was when I was going through some legal stuff. And um, Mm -hmm. she had passed a few months prior. And it freaked me out in a good way. Yeah. It it gave me so much closure because my mom said to her, I messed my daughter up. I messed up. Like, I'm so sorry. And the thing she said about abandoning me, I know. Like, how do you know this? It might be good for you, Stacey. I'm good. Give me the number. (laughs) Yeah, I will. Um, It it was awesome. Love it. It was awesome. Love it. So I didn't expect that. You know, I went with, I'm like the person who hates the word expectation because I think I was let down so much when I was little. So I'm like, I'm not going to expect anything out of this. And it was incredibly powerful. That's incredible. Because sometimes you need that closure from that parent, you know, and you hope that you get it. So it's just for yourself so that you can move on. You know, I needed it for myself so I could move forward in my life, you know. David, did you have any of this kind of stuff? Did you have like the perfect (laughs) parents? You're like, he's so calm. He's so mellow. (laughs) I know, I love it. I, I had my mom on the show, so you can hear all about it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I got to listen to that. Okay. No, her, his mom's cool. They're cool. Yeah. David's yeah. not as fucked up as we were. Yeah, I fucked up. Yeah, fucked up. So well, let's just touch back to your beautiful life really quick, because you did marry a beautiful, awesome husband in full circle. Why don't we full circle you a little? Yeah, I met Brian six years ago. Um, he's from Northern California, but had been living here for 18 years, and we got married in uh, 2018 in October. And we moved up to West Sherman Oaks Hills because I had lived in Chevy Hills forever. And I wanted to be closer to Vibrato. And, um, we're on an acre of property up here and it's magical. I never, you know, realized I needed a view this bad. <laughs> That's one of the best things in life to have. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I'm, we feel really blessed, especially during COVID. Yeah. It feels like a vacation up here. So we have a dog. We have a new dog, and he has a daughter as well that's nice. a year older than Kylie. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, and she works for me at Vibrato. Nice. Which is great, and um, we have a really good life. I have nothing to complain about. We love to hear that, Eden. It's so amazing how your life came around and everything clicked into place, and just living a perfect life now. Yeah, love it. I am very grateful. Well, we're honored to have you on today. We're just in awe of all the things that you've accomplished in your life and the things that you're continuing doing. And so great how you're giving back. Just amazing. We love what you guys do and what your family's doing for music around the world. It's just quite incredible to be part of that legacy and to keep pushing it forward, Eden. It's just an honor knowing you and an honor to know what you and your family are going to do now and in the future. Thank you so much. And it's an honor to know you guys. And if you ever need have a nonprofit that you want to share with me, feel free to do that, that you believe in. And we'll look into it and see what we can do to support you as well. We will. We will. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Thank you, you. Eden. Love you. Love you. Love you too. Love you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
It's time for the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Oh yeah, David, it's that time again, the breakdown. Let's start in Malibu, Stacy. Eden spent a lot of her time out there because when her parents divorced, her dad moved out to Trancus. And Trancus is pretty far out there. Really far. Yeah, there's not really an easy way to drive down to the beach from Beverly Hills. Maybe best case scenario takes an hour and a half. Oh, for sure. For sure. No, it's really, really far away. But beautiful, very nice, and probably a nice experience for Eden to leave Beverly Hills and hang out there. Yeah, it must have been really tranquil, especially back in the day. That's for sure. You know, I didn't realize all of the amazing acts that A&M had signed. The police, they had the Carpenters, and then even the Cat Stevens catalog. Oh my God, I had no idea what a catalog of music A&M has on their label. Pretty crazy. Huge, huge, huge stars. I'm personally a huge Cat Stevens fan. Me too. I didn't know that. I saw this about three years ago. He did a whole retrospective of his life and career, and he kind of does some storytelling and plays all the songs that you'd want to hear. Oh, is that, I might have to watch that. He probably recorded it for some kind of special, but I saw it in Hollywood, and it was one of the most amazing concerts I've ever been to. Sounds amazing. I'm a little jealous. I wish I got to see that. Well, maybe after COVID, he'll revise that, take it back on the road. Yes, rock and roll shows after COVID, lots to look forward to. And then I saw the police a few times back in the day. I saw them play at the Forum, I remember, with the cars opening up for them. Oh, yeah, I think I did, too, because I remember seeing them as well. So amazing. Oh, I love Sting. I love the police. Roxanne. Love it all. Those were the big KLOS days where they sponsored the concerts and had the fancy rainbow stickers. Oh, for sure. 95.5 KLOS. Then we talk about all the schools that Herb Alpert is involved in. And in Los Angeles in particular, he's involved with the New Roads School. And they have a graduate named Amanda Gorman. And so incredible, she was the poet speaker at the inauguration on January 20th for Joe Biden. Yay! And also at the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Yay. Yeah, we can thank Herb Alpert. I would agree. We actually have Herb Alpert to thank for a lot of things. All the music at A&M, maybe Amanda Gorman, and Eden Alpert as well. And then we also have to thank Eden Alpert for all the great charity work she does. Oh, yes. Her and her family are involved in so many incredible charities. Obviously, Vista Del Mar Family Services is very close to Eden's heart, as well as what her family does with the Concern Foundation and many others. If you want to get involved in a charity, maybe Vista Del Mar is a great place to start. Sounds incredible. Sounds amazing. And we had the most fun with Eden Alpert. I can't thank her enough. And then you can also go visit Eden anytime at a restaurant. Vibrato Grill. Vibrato's back in business over at, at the Beverly Glen Center, and you can listen to live jazz and many other different acts over at Vibrato and having, of course, delicious food. And when you're there, say hello to Eden Albert for us. Tell her that Growing Up Beverly Hills sent you. Yes, Growing Up Beverly Hills sent you to Vibrato. Well, I think that's it for today's breakdown, short but sweet. Remember to like us on Facebook and Instagram and give us a five-star rating. We need more ratings. You listen this long, give us a rating. We need ratings, friends, share with your family and friends, and tell everybody about Growing Up Beverly Hills, and keep tuning in. We love you, and peace out. More great guests to come. Till next time. Until next time. Bye, David. Bye.
So suicide has personally affected my life. And we like to mention at the end of our show that there is help for everybody out there. You know, I think everybody's going through a tough time now. And we don't want anybody to take their lives. Especially during this COVID situation, uh, we've all been experiencing depression and hard times. Things can always get better. Everything bad now can get better. Everything can get better, and there is a lot of help out there. So please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. There is always help. It doesn't hurt to call, so do that. You don't have to do this alone. There's always help. 